Hi, and welcome to Space Ventures Radio, the podcast that digs deep into new space ventures. Each episode of this show focuses on a specific startup in the space industry and takes a close look at their product, their team, and their business model. So if you're interested in what's going on in the commercial space sector and you want to get the nitty-gritty on a new, exciting company, stay tuned. Here we go. Here's how this episode is going to go down. We're focusing on a relatively new company called Odyssey that was started in 2015. And I'll talk about the company in three sections, starting with the upshot, basically a two-minute high-level overview of the company. The goal with the upshot is to give you at least a decent sense of the business. So if you only have a few minutes to listen, you'll still get something useful out of the show. Now, after the upshot comes the closer look, and I've structured this section to reflect how a company might summarize itself in a pitch to potential investors. Specifically, I'm going to talk about the problem the company is addressing, the solution it's providing, the company's business model and some related financial projections, the founding team, and finally, we'll take a look at the competition. To close out the episode, I'll do a what's ahead overview that offers some insight into the company's roadmap and their next steps. And finally, I'll wrap up the episode with a summary and my own personal estimations of the company's chances. Let's go to the upshot. Odyssey, spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y, is essentially a communications services provider looking to build the first commercial data and tracking relay system in space. This relay system is designed to help spacecraft operators communicate with their vehicles at any time, solving the current problem of intermittent communications. Odyssey will implement a business model similar to an AT&T or a Comcast, essentially selling plans to customers who want access to their relay network. The company was founded in early 2015 by three Stanford graduates, and they raised a seed round last August and are reportedly very close to closing a $15 million Series A round, which will be primarily used to start construction of their infrastructure. That's the upshot. For those of you who have to run, thank you very much for listening. Seriously, you can follow Space Ventures Radio on Twitter. The handle is at New Space Venture. For those of you still with me, let's jump in and take a closer look at Odyssey. All right, let's take a closer look at Odyssey. Again, what we're going to cover in this section is five things. First, the problem Odyssey is addressing, the solution that they're providing, their business model and some related projections there, their team, and the competition. Let's go. Okay, the problem, as Odyssey states it, is ground-based spacecraft communication solutions have reached their limits. Now, let's break that problem statement down into its two parts here. The first part is ground-based spacecraft communications. The second part is reached their limits. All right. The first part, essentially what we're talking about is a spacecraft's ability to communicate back to Earth. It's the communication between a spacecraft operator and a vehicle. Currently, the way communications are established are through a data downlink from the spacecraft to what's called a ground station, basically an Earth-based radio station. So that's what ground-based spacecraft communications is. Now, why is Odyssey saying that they've reached their limits? Well, according to Odyssey, ground stations only allow for contact with the spacecraft about 15% of the time. That's not a lot. And from a physics perspective, this actually makes a lot of sense, right? The spacecraft has to be within line of sight of this ground station to establish a connection, to establish that downlink. 
So while a spacecraft is orbiting and out of sight of the ground station, the operator of that spacecraft can't access any of its data. And even with multiple ground stations around the world, companies couldn't get more than something like 30% connectivity. So again, the problem that Odyssey is addressing, ground-based spacecraft communication solutions have reached their limits. And it sounds like they're right. Now let's talk about their solution. Simply put, Odyssey's solution is continuous space-to-ground communications. Now, at a conceptual level, that sounds great. The solution to intermittent communication between ground stations and satellites is to enable more communication, or in this case, continuous communication. So I think it's actually worth noting that Odyssey is not just chasing a 20% or a 50% or even 100% improvement here. They're aiming to provide 24-7 connection. This is a cannot-be-beat level of connectivity. So how are they planning to do that? Three words, relay architecture deployment. They're going to have their own satellites in orbit and their own ground stations around the world, creating a relay architecture that allows them to get data from any spacecraft to anywhere on Earth, anytime. Basically, Odyssey will have a system of high-orbit satellites to which any satellite or spacecraft can beam its data. Odyssey will then downlink, just a fancy term for send, that data to ground stations that they control, which they can then pass along to any desired recipient. The key to this quote-unquote relay architecture is that there will be enough satellites and ground stations to maintain connectivity at all times. So that's definitely a non-trivial math problem to solve, right? Odyssey has to make sure not only that at least one of its satellites is within line of sight of any spacecraft in orbit, but also that there's at least a relay connection, if not a direct connection, from their own satellite that's received the data to a ground station somewhere on Earth that they control. That's bonkers. In a lot of ways, Odyssey is just like an internet provider. They're creating the means by which satellite operators can maintain connectivity with their spacecraft without having to build their own infrastructure. And the end result for Odyssey's customers? Basically, satellite or spacecraft operators can perform payload tasking and payload data downlinking, basically telling a satellite what to do and getting information from it at any time. That's pretty cool. Now let's talk about the business model. They're currently offering two tiers of their service, a base tier and a premium tier. The major difference is basically connection speed. Base is up to 30 megabits per second, and premium offers up to 2 gigabits per second, so substantially faster. Other than that, the latency and the uptime are pretty much uniform. Now let's talk about some projections and timelines that Odyssey's announced about when they can actually get their product up and running and start collecting revenue from their customers. Now according to an article on Space.com, it looks like Odyssey's goal is to raise four major rounds of funding, build the ground stations and get the satellites launched by 2019. All told, their plan is going to cost something like three quarters of a billion dollars, $250 million in funding, and another $500 million in government-backed debt. So they're obviously anticipating a pretty lucrative amount of revenue, at least over the long term, to be able to pay off those future loans, and ideally to create some healthy returns for their investors. So what are the early indications looking like? Well, Odyssey claims to have exceeded $1 billion of customer lifetime value in its sales pipeline. That's a quote. What this means is not that they've actually closed a billion dollars worth of customer contracts, 
but it represents what the future value of all the potential customers in their pipeline could represent over the lifetimes of those contracts. Now, remember, I mentioned that they're hoping to get the satellites and the ground stations launched and set up by 2019. Uh, and it looks like they're projecting that it'll take about four years after that uh, to break even. So breaking even in 2023 is the current goal. Now, I think it's important to note one strategic decision that they've made is to not build the satellites in-house. You know, their product development focus is really on the enormous telecommunications and software challenges required to support the system, that relay architecture that they're building. Uh, And it looks like Odyssey is considering either SSL uh, or Boeing as potential contractors to build the satellites for them. All right, let's talk team. Who started this company? What's their background? Are they the right team to develop and bring this technology to market? And we're going to start with the CEO and one of the founders, Ralph Ewig. Uh, This guy's got a pretty impressive rap sheet, I'm not going to lie to you. All right, um, let me run it down for you. He's got a bachelor's, master's, and a PhD in aeronautics and astronautics from the University of Washington. Go Huskies. This is a lot of work, something like 14 years uh, that he's put into his academic training. So he knows uh, engineering back and forth. And both while and after earning his PhD, Ewan held a series of increasingly senior engineering roles at top aerospace companies, not least of which was SpaceX, where he was a mission operations engineer for two and a half years. Now, in 2014, he attended Stanford University's MSX program, Basically, it's a one-year master's program designed to prepare you for a senior role in business or government. And that's where he met his other two co-founders, James Spicer, who's the head of engineering, and Sam Avery, who's the head of spacecraft integration. Now, James graduated from Stanford with a master's and a bachelor's degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering, and he graduated in 2015. So Odyssey is actually Spicer's first professional endeavor, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, which is, man, just give the guy a hand for some gumption and for some vision. That is fantastic. I hope he doesn't miss sleeping too much because I can only imagine running a capital-intensive venture-backed startup doesn't allow for a lot of free time. And Sam Avery, his counterpart, uh, is somewhat in the same boat. Uh, He's got a bachelor's in astronautical and aeronautical engineering from UC San Diego and a master's in aerospace engineering from Stanford that he got just this year in 2016. So Odyssey is also Avery's first professional experience. So all in all, there's actually only one member of the founding team with any quote-unquote real-world experience in an aerospace company. I can imagine some VCs or angels would have reservations about two key management roles in the company being helmed by people with very little practical experience. Uh, But, you know, there's nothing like wanting to prove the world wrong about you to motivate you. So I say, you know, hats off to Sam Avery and uh, James Spicer uh, for what they're doing. And having looked at LinkedIn, it looks like there's 11 people currently who indicate that they work at Odyssey right now. Uh, and I'm sure the company is hiring like crazy as well. So it uh, sounds like about you know, a 10 to 15 person team right now uh, helmed by these three guys. So we're going to round out the closer look section with an overview of the competition. And this one was pretty easy because after scouring the internet, uh, it looks like there's not much to be found at the moment. Uh, The only other similar system in existence is NASA's TDRS, the Tracking and Data Relay Satellite System, uh, which is obviously not a commercial venture. Uh, And again, it's worth noting that Odyssey is 
definitely not operational yet. The company was founded last year, and the earliest they expect their network to be up and running is 2019. So there's definitely plenty of time for new entrants to pop up. Uh, And considering the enormity of this opportunity that they're chasing, remember that if they're going to be raising three quarters of a billion dollars just to get this thing off the ground, the returns are going to have to be absolutely in the billions uh, in order for the business to make any sense. That's an enormous opportunity. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of competitors cropping up very soon. So that wraps up the closer look section. And remember, we're Approaching the end of the show here, the end of the episode, I'm just going to finish it out by doing a quick what's ahead section, some forward-looking statements that uh, have been released by Odyssey and some stuff about their roadmap, and then I'll just quickly wrap up with sort of my own personal conclusions about the business. So to kick off the what's ahead section, uh, I want to say first and foremost that they have on their website something called their status or their roadmap, which is this incredibly detailed page that I think in and of itself is a milestone for the company and for companies in general. Uh, So if you go to their website, uh, click services in the navigation bar and then click status and you'll reach their roadmap page. This is like transparency and accountability at its very best. So basically this page shows the five phases that they feel represent their steps from initial exploration of the user need to service launch. So they not only have deadlines here, but they offer a non-trivial amount of detail about their business operations and engineering objectives. So what they're going to do in each phase. Uh, But where it really gets cool is that it's actually hooked up to whatever project management system they're using, or it appears to be. So we can see, for instance, right now that Odyssey has completed the first two phases and has 2,467 remaining tasks in phase three. And this roadmap is going to update as they complete tasks. So literally, as I was doing my research on Odyssey, I was on this page, and phase three of the roadmap changed from 0.8% complete to 1.1% complete. If I were a potential customer, partner, or investor in Odyssey, I'd be so thoroughly impressed at how open they're being about their progress. There's just you know no way to bullshit with this thing uh, up and running. So again, just major hats off to them for this uh, as, as what's going on. Um, and obviously, it relates to what's ahead. It shows the whole roadmap. So go check that out. Uh, and again, it looks like they're about to close a $15 million Series A, which will help them get through Phase 3 of their roadmap, which includes building the satellites uh, and some of the ground stations, uh, increasing the team to about 25 people, uh, and deploying their software uh, and, a, and a bunch more stuff. So definitely take a look. So to wrap up this episode and, and offer some conclusions here, uh, I would say that I think my one major concern is the amount of dependencies in the company's roadmap. So for instance, uh, you know the contractors for the satellites and ground stations aren't settled yet, but the CEO, UIG, uh, hopes to have them in place by the end of this year, end of 2016. Uh, and then after that, the first customers should sign on, uh, provided that the customers right, are assured that the satellites are being built, that there's a rocket to launch them on, and that the radio regulations are being cleared with the FCC. Uh, so there's just a lot of dependencies here, right? You know, if one of these things kind of goes wrong, uh, it could really hamper the rest of the operation. Right? The, the, the plan is necessarily complex because it's such a huge vision. So delays or roadblocks in one area might really mess things up in terms of closing customers or sticking to set schedules. That is my one concern. And again, that's just a concern for uh, 
any team running this business, uh, this team may be the one that just executes perfectly. And by all indications, they have the right stuff to be able to do so. And from all outward indications, this company is absolutely leading in this untapped and this enormous category, right? I mean, think about it. The commercial earth observation industry alone would have a pretty enormous appetite for Odyssey's product, considering the benefits that 24-7 connectivity could give to that industry or to a company in that industry. For instance, some earth observation companies have found a niche in providing economic data to inform trading and capital markets, and that's an environment where literally seconds make an enormous difference. So if we're comparing continuous connectivity to extremely intermittent connectivity, the opportunity to create value is just immense. And right, that's just Earth observation. Uh, there's also, you know, communication between nodes in a satellite constellation, uh, space exploration vehicles, and so on. You know, so I've taken a pretty intentional look at a lot of the startups in the space industry that have cropped up in the past few years. And honestly, this is one of the boldest visions I've seen. So at a gut level, to close this out, I think this company can go the distance. And it'll be a lot of fun to see how things go. I'm going to be following that roadmap like, as often as I can because I just think it's so cool to see the percentage complete of each phase tick up and the tasks go down. These guys are working at it, and they're being extremely open, extremely intentional. Uh, I'm pumped. So that's Odyssey. And that's it for the first episode of Space Ventures Radio the podcast that digs deep into new space ventures. Have an awesome day. So this was my very first podcast, and I'm committed to making sure this show is engaging, interesting, and useful uh, to every listener out there. So I absolutely welcome and encourage any feedback. Tell me what went well, what didn't go so well. Uh, any thoughts, honestly, would be a huge help for me to make sure each episode is better than the last one. So right now I'm just hosting these on SoundCloud and my personal website, RaleighWerner.com, but my plan is to make a proper and dedicated website for it very soon. Also, if you know of any cool new space ventures out there or even some pre-ventures, you know, ideas that are just forming, companies that are considering or about to incorporate, definitely tweet at me, at RaleighWerner or at New Space Venture, and I will be pumped to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a wonderful day. Take me home.